Hi, and welcome back to OA On Air, the official podcast of O'Neill & Associates. I'm Kyan Isaacson. This week, we have 3, 2, 1, Go with Cosmo Macero. Then Cosmo and I had a chance to talk with Patty Salvucci, board chair, and Jane McBride and Patricia Zinkowski, founders of the Friends of Thai Daughters. And in two minutes with Tom, Tom and I talk impeachment news. First up, 3, 2, 1, Go. Let's talk about something important. Hello and welcome to 321 Go on OA On Air, our weekly look into the world of public affairs, business, culture, and the economy. I'm your host, Cosmo Macero. In this installment of 321 Go, We'll talk holiday shopping, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and everything in between. And the Peloton ad backlash will break that down. Finally, graduate student employees at Harvard University go on strike. We'll take a close look. Joining me here on 321GO is Kyan Isaacson. Hello. The official voice of OA on Air. Kyan, very exciting to be here for this Baby Yoda takeover of OA on Air. <laughs> Don't you wish. Oh, it, sh- it should be a Baby Yoda takeover. I'm thinking 43... It's taking over the internet. 40, how many? 42 years of this franchise. Clearly, now we all know, the end game, all leading up to the big Baby Yoda reveal, the Star Wars franchise. I think that was in the cards all along. Unbelievable. I can't get enough of Baby Yoda. <laughs> you really I can't. I cannot get enough. <laughs> You're a big fan. I got it. I, I, Cute I, little dude. I like giggled and squealed like a child when <laughs> I saw Baby Yoda. See, I feel like that about Ewoks. Ewoks? They're yeah. dirty. No, but they're, <laughs> they're so <laughs> cute. And then they talk and they have that weird little like... I get fine. you. All right. Anyways... <laughs> Okay, it's not a Baby Yoda takeover, but it should be. All right. We'll remember that for next time. Let's get to it. All right, Kyan, let's talk retail. It's that time of year, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and every other day. Amazon says, Cyber Monday this year, the company's single biggest shopping day in history. Impressive. I imagine next Cyber Monday, next year will be the next biggest. Next, yeah. Uh, So so some of the top-selling items... The curry coffee maker, Oral-B electric toothbrushes. That thing was like 50% off. Champion it was $200 on sale for 100 Champion Fleet. Like, worst Christmas ever. What, 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 a champion hoodie. Okay, a champion hoodie is a nice thing, but this is the big. And then, of course, the Echo Dog. The course, 90s are back. The Echo Dog, the fire stick. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest, uh, you know, apparently the biggest, some of their biggest sellers this year. But, um What's your experience with the big kickoff weekend? Do you get in, you know, um, so many times I said, yeah, I'm going to go out there at midnight and get in line. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I've never really actually done that on, on, I on haven't. Black Friday. I haven't. I've worked Black Friday when I worked in retail. Um, and it, those people are crazy. I mean, I did like the five o'clock in the morning at the mall. Um, I've never gone out at midnight. That is not of interest to me. Uh, I would find it incredibly overwhelming. I don't want to stampede for things. I don't want to be stampeded for things. Um, and at this point, you can get basically every deal online. 
Um, and I yeah. I went to the mall on Black Friday this past Friday still, by accident. Wait, they still have those? <laughs> they do. <laughs> I went to the mall at 7.30 because it was open and we needed something. And we were like, oh, well, it happens to be open now. So why wait until later? It wasn't even that crowded, which just shows you how much people are now leaning towards online sales oh, and for the and, ease and, and, and the and not not to be so amazon focused but i mean this amazon didn't specify how many products it sold or its total sales though the company said shoppers purchased millions more amazon devices in last year um it, it sounds very north korea like they're just they're they're just spitting out these facts. The Echo Dot, everyone's buying that, and yep. millions more products. And they, you know, I didn't buy anything from Amazon this year, not yet. I'm sure they'll like stocking stuffer things. I'll yeah, grab. No, but I'm gonna have to admit, I, I've 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 fallen into that. It's pretty convenient, and 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 you can. Really That's every a, other day of my life. Yeah, but you, can, just, <laughs> you can be a last minute shopper. I haven't. Uh, I didn't do any of my big Christmas shopping on Amazon though, like over the over the retail weekend. But you know these. They, they gotta, you got to figure out how to get where people are, and people are online. That's where people live these days. They really do. And I, I joke about malls, but the reality is um, shopping malls are more and more have to become um, sort of destination kind of event-oriented, right? It, yeah. It's, it's, They've got to have something. Got to have something, uh, an attraction, and, and, not, and, and, and not just a cheesecake factory. you got to have, like – you know, serious options for dining. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't think it is either. Um, you, you, you know, you got to have a lot of options. And, and um, man, brick and mortar retail for that type of shopping is becoming much, so much more difficult, so difficult yeah. to survive. And for small, you know, we, you mentioned Small Business Saturday. Um, you know, small businesses, we, we certainly, I think, most people want to support. Um and I know that a lot of small businesses have figured out how to work with companies like Amazon to make it more accessible to people because people just don't get up and go shopping for the day, uh, whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or any other day of the week, um, the way that we have shopped. And we've talked about this on this show. We've seen Sears stores closing, Toys R Us stores closing. Um, you know, people, people are different. So companies are having to change the way that they, they adapt in order to overcome <laughs> yeah, your uh, favorite. Exactly, adapt and overcome. Um, I guess no surprise, Big, you know, Black Friday is very geared toward big box because yeah. those big, big deals, it, it's, it's, it's going to be the companies that can do the volume buying. Target, Walmart, top the list of Wall Street analysts, Black Friday winners. Um, it, it's, it, it's become um, uh, a... a, a a cultural event uh, that uh, kicks off, you know, kicks off that phase of the holiday season. Yeah. And, uh, For the record, I am 100% against stores opening on Thanksgiving and people shopping on Thanksgiving. A lot of I people don't like are. It. I don't like it. It, it. Because of the tradition, because of the retail employee. All, I, I, all of it. I mean, I the just, employee thing, I think, well, police, firefighters, ambulance drivers. And, you you know, sign up for that. Drivers. I don't think you sign up in retail to, you know, often a lot of them make minimum wage or a little bit more than that to be yanked out of Thanksgiving dinner to uh, go go get ready. I love REI does a whole thing. They close down their stores, and they, their thing is opt outside on Black Friday and just encourage people to not get caught up in the craziness. Uh, I think that's a great 
it's a great thing for them and it goes with their brand but as a general rule for the record you should not be shopping on thanksgiving fair enough i don't like it okay not that i'm the decision maker but you know people should know (laughs) cayenne's rules to live by number you know 31 right let's give thanks man Let's give thanks and, and have leave a, it at that. And, and have a, a turkey sandwich. At Late night, like yes, late night. absolutely. And watch uh, the Wizard of Oz. Whatever, you, or Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Cayenne, there it is. The holiday shopping season is well underway. All right, Cayenne, you know, in the old days, a stupid commercial was just a stupid commercial. Nowadays, a stupid commercial, your stock tanks, you're under attack on social media, uh, you're under attack for uh, uh, being anti-feminist and discriminatory and uh, anti-woman. That's Peloton with their much maligned ad in which the female figure, the uh, uh, Grace from Boston, Grace from Boston, uh, <laughs> recipient of Peloton, uh, one uh, Christmas as a gift, uh, proceeds on a year-long uh, video log of her exploits, her journey, her journey, much to much to the uh, dismay and derision of uh, millions of Americans. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on this uh, gathering scandal? Um, my general thought was that the premise is a little bit ridiculous. The whole idea that you would get a gift and then vlog about it for your husband for a year and t- to show him how appreciative you are. It was a little icky. I didn't really get that. Um, I was not of the mindset that the husband was a bad person for buying it for her. And I could say that only because I want one for Christmas and asked my husband for one. So that's how I came at it. Um, but apparently a lot of other people didn't feel that way and felt like what a terrible husband uh, that he would gift his wife an exercise bike for Christmas. Um, I would love to have been at the table where they plotted this this commercial out, though, because there's a lot of things about it that don't make sense and that do spark controversy. The, the reaction is, is out of control. The stock tanked 9%. There's a huge backlash. The company issued an apology for for a, a completely unoffensive, perhaps stupid ad, but I don't think offensive. However, if you think about the inherent message in a gift, right? So I get a guitar. I thought you would enjoy I, this. I, I get a guitar as a gift, and the message is, you should play this guitar. I get a new set of golf clubs or some, you should go play golf. I get a piece of exercise equipment. The message is, you should exercise more. But see, you're I don't saying know you, should. you should. And I think you, when you give a gift, you give someone a gift because I think you will enjoy this. I think you would like this. I don't should my gifts. I, th- <laughs> I, I, I'm I don't sorry. attach I shouldn't think you would like to my what? gifts. Burning 4,000 calories every night. So we, so I can continue to find you attractive. <laughs> I mean, see, that's terrible. It is, that, well, that's the message of this. You're going to get your own hate mail after that. <laughs> that's the backlash, you know. Meanwhile, the guy's just sitting on the couch <laughs> watching the video log. You don't see him doing a thousand sit-ups, right, or sprints or squats yes. or bench pressing, you know. And she's I like, I just want is you to know this has changed my life. Really. <laughs> I, I got your vacuum this year. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, 
again, because I wanted one. I think I come at this from a different place. But the ad as a whole is ridiculous. And it should, it's, it wasn't a great, it just wasn't a great ad for a number of reasons. And people have found different things wrong with it throughout every moment of that uh, look, commercial. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and, and say that I would love to have seen who developed the storyboard. Your declaration of wanting a Peloton still <laughs> after this ad probably means you are now unwelcome in some circles. I think that that is... <laughs> I think that could be the case. I mean, if there's like another company doing it that's not making stupid ads, I'll go there. But it might be like a monopoly situation. From a PR perspective, I, don't I mean, like spinning, and I don't get to go to a spinning gym, and this yes. gives me an option. That's it. I don't. I don't mean to be cliche, but it's great public relations if everyone in America is talking about your product. Well, we talked about this a couple and, weeks it, ago. There's, not, that, there's a lot know. of things have happened. There's not exactly a boycott. Or maybe there is. Is there a boycott of Peloton? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Yeah. But, I mean, stock dropping is never a good thing. But it's a temporary, my guess temporary, is it will bounce yeah, back. Yes. Um, who knows? Maybe the people didn't realize that it would be offensive as, as, as offensive as people have found it. But maybe they did sit around and be like, let's just do something kind of the 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 most extreme case yeah. of this. Here's and maybe this <clears throat> was all part of it. I think the product and the company are kind of taking a bad rap. I think this is simply a case of... They hired the wrong marketing company? No, we hate those two people. <laughs> I think those two people are, are kind of loathsome. And that's the I feel problem. bad for anyone named Grace from Boston <laughs> right now. I can tell Done. you Done. It's over. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Grace from Boston. And Grace from Boston's husband, who has yet to be named. Exactly. I, All right. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens long term. I don't think it's going to be a negative impact long term on the company. But people are talking about that ad. And, as are um, we. As are we. All right, Cayenne. Um, let's talk about unions in particular, or starting off with the uh, Union of Harvard University graduate student employees, graduate assistants, instructors, and the like. Uh, they've gone on strike. I think they're affiliated with the United Auto Workers. I remember pretty vividly, it's a long time ago now, it's, it's uh, the mid-'80s, but the notion when I was in school in Amherst, at UMass Amherst, at that time that the graduate student employees there would even form a union was was uh, outrageous and a, a source of uh, uh, of tremendous debate and, and ongoing news coverage. Uh, and now here we are, many years later, and and, and that's number one commonplace. And, and number two, now these these workers have gone out on strike and, and, and obviously had an impact on campus life. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on that? Uh, so it, it was interesting. One of the stories I was reading talked about how there's actually been a, an uptick in strikes, not just for grad students or here in Massachusetts, but across the country in, in unions um, in the last year or so, give or take. Um, and if people remember, a little over a year ago, maybe almost two years ago, there was the Janus ruling in the Supreme Court that a lot of people viewed was going to weaken unions. Um, and that's sort of how it was intended. And it seems to have done just the opposite. I think um, it's put a fire under a lot of unions. It's brought union members together. I've seen it in some of our own clients of 
um, unions that were made stronger in the aftermath of the Janus ruling because all of a sudden they felt like there was something bigger um, to fight against that than ever before. And we're seeing that, you know, and then now we've in the middle of a presidential debate, I mean, a uh, campaign with a number of Democratic candidates out there who are all happy to sort of hop on that train and, and help move these negotiations forward if they can, um, but always coming down in support of these unions has really continued to propel them forward. We, um, and I think it's going to continue. Yeah. The, um, I think the defense mechanism that went into, into action after that Janus ruling that, oh, you know, we're going to lose lots of members <clears throat> as a result of yeah. this, as a, as a result of how it impacts, um, you, you know, the, uh, the collection of union dues and such. That, that mobilized a lot of people. Mm -hmm. That mobilized labor. That 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 uh, energized them to, to to focus on retaining their membership and, yeah. and the value proposition. Uh, and uh, and it's pretty it's it's pretty been a pretty powerful uh, sort of dynamic. We I know that this as an agency O'Neill and Associates does a fair amount, including yourself, mm -hmm. uh, um, of union communications. And yeah. that's not always around a strike. In fact, usually it's, it's, it's not. It's around uh, holding management accountable, whether it's yeah. a public employee union or... The day in and day out. The day in and day out. Um, so that's, that, that's, that's certainly become very important. Um, in, in this case, I, I, I always wonder how... I think, I think the outside world has, a, or, the, or the, you know, the... the, the general public has a very clear understanding of a, you know, a labor union or, or tr traditional automotive workers or public employees yeah. uh, or, or, or what, you know, or even a nursing union or a teacher's union. Um, I wonder how they look at organized labor of graduate student um, teaching assistants and if they see that differently. But ultimately... You've got a right to organize and co and bargain collectively and uh, and and take action if you feel uh, uh, you're not being treated fairly. Yeah, and you know I I would caution too for people that are reading these. I think a lot of people their first response is when people go on strike, it's disruptive, um, and it was on the campus to a certain extent. Uh, we've seen it at other organizations where it can be disruptive to business, um, but there's usually some backstory there. There's actually you know planning between management and the union for a strike um, it's, it doesn't come out of nowhere you know there are discussions about how to manage what a strike is going to look like and, and how to make sure that it's as le as little disruption as possible um, and people often think that it's just a, a money grab by employees um, and you know I think in the case of the Harvard grad students you know they're seeking a better health plan um, but they're also looking at want new protections from harassment and discrimination. Um, that's not a financial thing. That's that's a you know a quality and fairness thing. So um, not just for this strike, but in general, it's often I would I would advise people that when you're reading about this and you have a response, go find out what these people are fighting for. Um, a lot of times it you know there's usually a financial component to it, but there's usually a lot more on the table as well. That's going to do it for this week's edition of 321 Go. Our program was recorded in Studio 10A, just off the historic Tip O'Neill Room at our building in Government Center, downtown Boston. Thanks for listening. Goodbye till next time. I'm Cosmo Macero.
That's it for 321 Go. Up next, an interview with representatives of the Friends of Thai Daughters. Okay, up next, Friends of Thai Daughters is a nonprofit organization providing education, safe shelter, and emotional support to girls in the Hilltown areas of Thailand where there's a high risk of human trafficking. We recently sat down with their leadership and several other representatives. Here's that conversation. Okay, we're joined now in the OA On Air studio by the founders and board chair of Friends of Thai Daughters, Patricia Zinkowski, Jane McBride, and Patty Salvucci. Ladies, how are you? Terrific, how are you? Thanks for joining us. We're also joined by me and Gaison from the province of Shanghai in Thailand, correct? Yes. Excellent. Jane, let's start with you. Talk about how Friends of Thai Daughters was established. Uh, I know that uh, you ran a successful business for many years, and then uh, yourself and Patricia sort of went searching for a mission, and you found one, right? Uh, almost by accident, though, Cosmo. We were traveling in Thailand uh, because we loved the food and we loved the people, and we came across an organization that was helping protect children from trafficking, but they didn't have the resources to do it in a very effective way. So we met a group of girls and we saw a need. And as we said after we left, we couldn't unsee it. So we went home and raised money and that was the start of our lifelong project. Patricia, what was it about what you saw on that first trip to Thailand in these hill towns, in these hill towns where um, it's very easy for someone to, uh, to, be, to be lost or really never recognized at all. Um, what was it like that first time? It was an eye-opener. You had the juxtaposition of absolute sheer beauty that you see in travel posters, Mekong River, rice paddies, water buffalo, and then abject poverty. You saw these beautiful children living in utter squalor. And I'm from the Boston area. I grew up not with a silver spoon in my mouth, but in a suburb of Boston and had never seen such poverty. And I think just trying to grasp why these children, to me, seemed abandoned by their parents or there was no adult supervision or why they were where they were and why they weren't getting the help that they desperately needed, I didn't know what to do. So Jane and I had to think about it and thought we can't save the whole planet, but maybe there's a place here we can help because we solved on our very first day a lot of problems for the grand sum of 200 US dollars. And we realized, <laughs> wow, if we could do that and be Santa Claus for this day, what could we do with a little more help? So you, so you made the decision that this is gonna be that mission that you, were, you, that you encountered that you went looking for. Um, what's the first thing that you accomplished where you felt, you know what? This works. We're, we're making a difference, you know, one one young woman at a time. But what, what's that first thing you did that? Yeah, you know, after the very first trip there, we came home and it was Christmas time, and we were opening presents under our tree and thinking how grateful we are for everything we have. And all we could think about were those kids back there. So we decided to do a very quick trip back, and we decided let's just build them a, a chain, get some chain link fence, see if we can get some neighbors to help put some protection around their house. And we succeeded with virtually no money and very little effort and it paid off in spades. The kids were then able to go to school, they could lock their gate, uh, they could lock up their rice, it didn't get stolen when they tried to go to school. And we thought, if we could have that kind of an impact just from that one small initiative, maybe we can 
think about this and not come back as Santa Claus, but let's really think why are they here? What's the root of this problem and can we do anything for them? <clears throat> All right, Patty Salvucci, you're chair of the board of Friends of Tide Daughters. Um, and, and you came into this um, really through a social event, right? That, that's, that's how you uh, came to know uh, Jane and Patricia. And, and, and then you realize, wow, this is something that they're really doing that's very important. Yes, I, uh, I knew Patty and Jane for a few years, and they told me about a uh, project that they were doing, uh, doing a, uh, a documentary over in Thailand. And they brought it back and showed it at the uh, um, Boston Pub Public Library. And they were, it was overflowing with people to see what this project was all about. And although I knew that human trafficking existed, it, I had no idea what was going on over there. And it really did open my eyes uh, to see that, wow, you know, the world is flat. We need to do something here. Uh, and I became a financial supporter in the, in the beginning, back in 2005, and then went over to Thailand in 2007 and saw the impact that it was making. And now it's, uh, you know, a dozen years later, and uh, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, a dozen years since then, 15 years uh, since you founded the organization. We're talking to the leadership of Friends of Thai Daughters. We're also joined by Cayenne Isaacson, our official voice of OA on air. So one of the questions um, I would love for whomever wants to elaborate is to explain, you talked about the young women who were more susceptible, like why that is. Um, I know a lot has to do with identification, parents who have been ill or incarcerated, um, and that it's a, it's a problem that exists that's in and of itself, that you're, as a result of your work now, I think what you were telling us earlier is that in the villages where you have operated, human trafficking is no longer existent because you have been able to get in front of and prevent it, which is absolutely amazing, so congratulations. But um, I, I found the background as to why they were in this place in the first place to be really important for people to understand. Uh, unlike the U.S. Cayenne, Thailand doesn't confer birthright citizenship. So that means if, unless your parents register you at birth, you are essentially invisible. Now, among the Hill Tribe populations, many of them don't even speak the Thai language. They speak their own languages. The parents themselves may be stateless. And as a result, children or adults without ID cannot work legally. They cannot leave the area physically because they're police checkpoints. They can't own property. And for many years, they couldn't go to school. So that leaves them with very, very few options. They can work as day laborers in a rice field for $6 a day or they can sell drugs. There's a lot of drugs that come over the Myanmar-Lao border. Or they can sell their children or sell themselves. The other um, compounding issue is poverty and gender inequality. So if they have any resources, however limited, they tend to go to their sons or their boys. So girls are not uh, given access to education. And in some societies, they're, they're sold off into marriage at age 12. So we are really... Um, focused on empowering our, our daughters, that they are equal, they are strong, they're smart, and they're leaders. And the proof is in the pudding because our organization is now run by our graduate daughters. That's amazing. Yeah. Is there a, a, so you guys are, are sitting here. Is there anything you want to add or, or that we haven't talked about that you feel is important that you want to, whether it's the organization or Thailand in your experience? So Friends of Thai Daughter, uh, this, organi 
this organization that support for education for for sure but beside the ed- education that they give to me we just we just stay like we are family because they give us love and hug and care and everything so so we just feel like uh friends of thai daughter is our big family so many many of these children actually all of our daughters come from broken families as you mentioned their parents are are dead or in jail or have abandoned them so they haven't had an opportunity to witness what a functional loving relationship looks like uh, but after arriving even just one month once they come and they've they've learned to hug um, they're they're really transformed and now we our houses are are managed by house parents so these are loving couples like me and her husband and their little boy who are um, demonstrating and, and modeling what a loving relationship looks like which is empowering in its own right absolutely first and foremost and and i would just add that uh you know there are uh many churches that will come over and there's orphanages certainly that will uh take in infants and there's basic elementary education that's provided by the government but the, our program again with friends of thai daughters we're different we're a long-term comprehensive intensive program we try to identify the children at risk. We're a prevention organization. We n- we're not going into brothels doing raids or anything, um, but we get our kids early, as early as we can, and then really give them a full ride. If they, we get them through uh, their basic education, through high school, on to university, we have a great track record now of kids coming through university and graduating. That, and what we find is the girls, all of them want to go back to their villages and help to fix it. They don't want to just take their educations and run off and see the world. They are traveling. They have passports, uh, but they want to go back and help and see if they can fix what's broken in the villages, and we are succeeding on that level, and that's a huge impact for us. I think one of the things that you were speaking about was that you stay in touch with everyone that you've ever helped, that you're still in touch with. Mm -hmm. Family. (laughs) Family. Okay, Sana, are there goals that you have in life? Is there a dream? You're still pretty young, but is there a dream that you've got or a goal that you think uh, you've got a better chance to achieve now because uh, of, of the support you have from this family? And that's really what it is, right? Yeah. This family from uh, Friends of Thai Daughters. Friends of Thai Daughter is um, giving me education and when I grow up, I want to be a pharmacist, and I want to, I want to come back in my village, village, and then improve my village and village, and then take care of my sister. I have two sister and one brother, and education is very important in my life because. Um, Education is can make my dream and can improve everything. Yes. And so you've got a very, very specific and very important personal goal. That's pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Patricia, Jane, Patty, each of you uh, had that first experience um, wh- wh- where you saw, you know, the... the the source uh, of human trafficking. Do you think that if more people had the opportunity uh, to see where this uh, this type of activity uh, that is being uh, fought 
all along uh, the uh, <laughs> there's really no other way to say it all along the supply chain mm -hmm. it's a terrible thing to think about but that's really slavery. that's mm -hmm. really what it is if more people have the opportunity to, to, to experience what you did in those first visits um, that probably have a big impact right Absolutely. Anybody who has a daughter, is a daughter, has a wife, has a niece, um, would would realize these are, and boys as well. We, we work with girls because boys in Thailand can be sheltered in temples and sent to school. But once you see a, a human being and you realize their potential, or a human being at risk, uh, you really can't not do it. Now you are... In the beginning of or in the midst of an expansion project um, that's going to uh, provide uh, more capacity, more resources, more programming, right? Uh, yes, we are. We're very excited with our new initiative, a sunflower farm, which uh, we are calling it a thrivable uh, home for our children that they'll live in in the new farm, which is just 25 north, 25 minutes north of Chiang Rai Airport. Uh, will actually give back more energy to the planet than it uses. It'll be a healthy environment. It'll be an organic farm. There'll be food grown. There'll be meals shared. It will become a community center and a focus where we can all get together and try to share best practices, educate each other, and get behind these girls because they are the future. We are turning this world over to them, and we're going to give them the tools that they can take it forward and see that the next generation doesn't have to live, I'm going to say, with Monsanto and glyphosates in their seed supplies and the fish will be clean that they eat and they'll have a Michelin-starred restaurant serving some food at their farm-to-table restaurant. But they're dreaming big now. These kids have got, they're getting their education. They're excited. They, we've never sheltered the world from them and this is one of our biggest things. You can't be what you can't see. And if you've never been to an airport, you can't dream of being an airline pilot. So from day one, we've always told our kids, the minute you come in the house, with us, you're no longer a victim, you're now empowered. We're going to take you everywhere. We'll take you on train rides, we will take you on a bus trip, or we'll show you a shop and say, well, how did this person open this store? What are they selling? You know, How do you do that? Do you want to do that? So Gayswan's a perfect example. She wants to be a pharmacist. I don't know that I'd want to do chemistry again in college, but she's going to do it, she's excited. We have a dentist in the program now, we have our first nurse. So they're not day laborers, and they are able to go back and explain to the other children in their worlds what the big world looks like and how many opportunities are out there. And I think that's the best. There's a bright future coming up. And with our new facility up in Mechan, Thailand, we'll be able to deliver more services to everybody involved. That's great. I imagine you, 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 could, you could use all the support you can get for that mission. Yes. Uh, Patty Salvucci, you began your relationship with um, uh, Friends of Thai Daughters as a donor, and then you, be, and then you became part of the leadership, and now, you've, now you're the chair of the board. Um, Talk about how important it is to you personally to, to be invested in that way in this organization. Right. Well, the first time that I did go over back in 2007 and saw um, the, you know, these girls ages 8 to 18 in this, in this family atmosphere, uh, thriving, excited to learn. They, 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 you know, they were just uh, um, very, very excited about um, going to school, going to college and whatever. And to see... Um, every time I've gone over there and when the girls come here to see how much it's a transformational uh, a process and they, they have grown in leaps and bounds 
and they're making a difference. Uh, uh, you know, they want to give back, and they're going back to their villages. And they, as you as you heard from Gaysorn, they have uh, big dreams. So it is so important to um, to be able to uh, to work with them and to provide for them um, things that they that they can use and and in turn um, you know give back. So anyway. So on that note, um, mm -hmm. how can people find out more? Is there a website? How can people donate? Uh, or get involved if maybe donating is not the path that they want to take to support Friends of Thai Daughters. Right. Well, we invite you to visit our website at friendsofthaidaughters.org, where you can donate online. And we're also always looking for volunteers that can be in the U.S. or in Thailand, or gifts of mileage so that we can get back and forth without burning our budget or certain types of books and supplies. Okay. So also you can email us at info at friendsofthaidaughters.org. That's great. Well, before we wrap up, um, I want to say that you guys are doing just absolutely remarkable work. So thank you. Um, and thanks for coming and talking to us today. Thank you for thank having you. us. Thank you. Up next, Two Minutes with Tom. Hi, Kayan. <laughs> Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm Did great. you enjoy the tree lighting this week? I, you know, uh, it's, become, it's become part of the season for yes. the O'Neill family, and Shelly and I really love to go over and see it. And, you know, somebody of the, the team here at O'Neill & Associates is responsible for putting the event on and, mm -hmm. and garnering all the PR. So it was fun. We had nieces and nephews with us last night it was it was a lot of fun yeah it's a pretty cool event it's, it's a great event so if yeah. anyone hasn't seen the blink tree at faneuil hall head on over it's pretty yeah. impressive it's, it's amazing so in walking through there was literally nobody there until the time of the event and all of a sudden there's two or three hundred thousand people and you say to yourself oh my god where do these people come from but everybody enjoys the same thing it's yeah. a, it's a time of christmas it is it's a lot of fun um, unfortunately, we're not focusing on that this week, but we are talking about some other big news, the impeachment report that came out of the Intelligence Committee, right. which means now the Judiciary Committee is going to take up the impeachment inquiry. And so the report had, I, I think, seven questions that were posed, and the questions were answered by witnesses. And so, you know, high crimes and misdemeanors, were they or were they not? The you know the, the fascinating thing and the and I only read I may, I may have read a third of the report to be very honest with you but enough to realize well, three hundred pages enough <laughs> to realize that th there's enough there to really warrant the hearings to go on mm -hmm. and so it shifts from the intelligence committee to the judiciary committee because of the process and and more hearings will be held and in in creating a, an atmosphere of for the public I think of of seeing either a president who has done the wrong thing or a president that cannot be convicted of, of, of the things that he's been accused of. And so it's, it's going to be fascinating. There's a very big difference between both the committees. Uh, Adam Schiff at the Intelligence Committee really has a, has a strong gavel and a strong voice. Jerry Nadler, on the other hand, has the same, has the same gavel and voice, but he has a, a more unruly uh, group of people serving on the Judiciary Committee. And the rules are Both different. Democrats as well as, as Republicans. Mm -hmm. And so 
this will be uh, this will be something to watch, a spectacle, if you will. But yeah. let's see what happens with it. Um, it it's something to behold. I, I hope it brings us to a point where people watch one station because they want to hear what they want to hear, and they watch another station on television to hear what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I'm just hoping that some of that air gets cleared out and that more people can make a decision as to whether this is the right or the wrong path to go. Well, and to your point, so there are different styles, but also they operate, each of these committees have different rules. Yes, they um, do. In which they operate under. Um, the, in, the Intelligence Committee has really been managed and, and kind of dominated by the Democratic Party. Yes. Um, we will see more open debate and conversation in the judiciary. So the sort of win, quote-unquote, that I think Democrats are feeling right now, we're about to see a shift and how it's handled. And, and how it's comported. That's yes. correct. And, and it'll, be, it'll be fascinating to watch. Um, so I, I, think that, um, I, th- I think that people ought to go back and read a book about another impeachment in another era, another day in political age, uh, how the guy, good guys finally won a book about my dad written by Jimmy Breslin. I started it, reading it. Oh, you did? I did. Really? Yes, I haven't finished it yet, but we'll, we'll talk about it. it it's, a, it's a good book. And after you finish it, we will sit down and we'll talk about it. But uh, people ought to pick it up. It's an old, you know, it's a 30-year-old copy of a book, but it's a great read and it's an accurate read and it's, a, it's about a different era of politics and leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, 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 not, it's not wholly dissimilar from what we're watching today. It's a good book so good far. Book. Yeah. So far. So we'll uh, we'll come back and talk about that. But um, so impeachment it continues. Impeachment. The process of, of impeachment continues, um, and we're we we're, we're closely getting closing in on on 2020, the presidential election year. Therefore, the Democrats want to get it over with so it does not become part of the debate. Mm-hmm. And the Republicans, I think, want to continue it because they want it to be part of the debate, and continuously will call it a sham. Yeah, um, to shore up their their base. I, my my sense is the American people are smarter than some politicians give them credit for, and and I would like to think so. I think yeah, I think they see through a lot of this rhetoric, both sides, and are making their own conclusions. And uh, I just hope that they are really reading everything that can be read about the impeachment proceedings and why it's going on in the first place, and, and not just from one outlet, and not not <laughs> just from one outlet. That's right, Sunday yeah. morning news. For everybody, um, and it's not just one NBC show. It's you know, it's it's a Fox show. Mm-hmm. And let people discern on their own as to what they can figure out. Thanks, Tom. We'll be talking more about it. I'm I'm sure. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Welcome. That's it for this week's episode of OA on Air. Now, don't forget to subscribe on whatever your favorite listening platform may be. You can also check us out on our own O'Neill & Associates website. Talk to you next week.